right away to make an announcement. If there are any other announcements, you can make your way forward. As part of Lent, we are trying to do announcements first, so thanks for your patience in this. Um, After the service today at 11.15 is part two of the Enneagram sessions. You are invited to join us downstairs. It is a bring-your-own-lunch, but if you don't have a lunch, you can share. We can share. That's okay. And uh, we're hoping to get started at 11.15, so you're all invited to that. Two weeks ago, you supported the grade 5 to 8 Sunday school class with a fundraising project. We made Valentine's Day-themed crafts to sell with proceeds going to Steinbeck Community Outreach. This resulted in a profit of $275. In the very near future, we will deliver this money and become more familiar with this organization. Thank you for your support. Just a note for those of you who have maybe read through We Make the Road by Walking uh, during the year as we are following it together, or those who are using it as part of Sisters with Grace, of Grace, we are going to be having four weeks of Lenten formation after this week's Enneagram session. So the next four Sundays after worship, you can see the announcement in the bulletin. Take note. It would be great to have you there for part of that conversation. And if you have the book, you bring it along, and we're looking forward to that time together. Talking about getting to know the Steinbeck Community Outreach better, it's a place that I've gone to visit for about a year in a row. I was there at least once a week, and it's really great. I've seen them expand from the main floor at the Steinbeck Mennonite Church. That's our sister church, too, and they've gone through a lot of changes and some difficulties over the past years, and so it felt like a really great way to keep in touch with our sister congregation as as well. It's something that's moved to the second floor there, and they have a much larger space, and it's a really great program that runs three times a week in the mornings, 9.30 to 11.30, and I would encourage any one of you to check it out Tuesday to Thursday. It's really special. There are a few other announcements in the bulletin in the insert, so I just encourage you to take a look at that at some point. Could I get you to stand again? And we're going to sing a gathering song uh, here in this place. It's number six in your hymn books. Here in this place, new light is streaming. Now is the darkness vanished away. See in this place our fears and our dreamings Brought you to you in the light of this day Gather us in the lost and forsaken Gather us in the blind and the lame Call to us now and we shall awaken We shall arise at the sound of our name We are the young, our lives are a mystery. We are the old who handle your face. We have been sung throughout all of history, called to be light to the whole human race. Gather us in the rich and the haughty. Gather us in the proud and the strong. Give 
invite you to read the call to worship. It'll be on the screen or on the back of the bulletin. Uh, join me in the bold print. Come, sons and daughters of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, nations born of barren lands, you who stand here as a result of, a prom- of promises fulfilled, come and worship your God. Welcome home, children of God. Welcome to this house of God. Scripture today comes from Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. 
For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. I'd like to invite the kids to come forward for a children's story. Perfect. There's manageable numbers of you today. That means this is going to work better, and that's more coins for all of you to collect. Okay. I mean, yeah. All right, so... Last week, hi, I'm going to have to stand up right away, though. Oh, this is going to be great. We'll wait for a few more to come. Last week, oh, what's this? This is God. That is what we learned last week. This is like God's love, right? And last week, Mel stretched it out over all of you. And God's love covers you all. And even if I can't do it now, you get the picture, right? All right. So I'm going to need some volunteers today. Okay, you're, I'm going to need a few volunteers. Well, we'll yeah, almost all of you, but I need you just to be calm and do what I say when I ask you to be a volunteer, okay? All right, so last week we heard about God's love for everyone, and this week the first story was about God promising Abraham something. And so God's promises 
Who was that for? Abraham and all of his children and grandchildren. So, okay, Zachary, I need you to stand up here. All right. So, all right, you two, stand up over here. Hold each end of this. Okay, or we can all stand up. That's fine, too. Rock on. All right. Now, what's this? Is this another scarf? Can we make this, can we make this scarf longer? How can we make that scarf longer? Can we tie them together? Yeah. There we go. And can we add, can we make it even longer? Yes. Yeah? These are nice scarves. I don't know where Mel got these from. I just take one. Longer? Oh, oh, this is like an infinity scarf. That's why I'm having troubles. All right, come over here. Can we tie this one over here? Jude, can you go stretch out down the stairs over there? Whoa. Can we add even more? Allie, you want to add one on that end over there for me, please? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Can we add more? Go on that end. Yeah. Can we do more? Can we make it longer still? We got more kids. Eliana and Zach, come here. Oh, a nice green one. Whoa. Don't fall. Here we go. Wow. Eliana, you want one more? Okay, we got time. I'm preaching shorter today. All right, come here, Eliana. This is like a pillowcase. Okay. Look how long this is. So God's love not only covers... Here, Eliana, you got to stretch this one out. Woohoo! Do you want one over there? Lewis? Oh, we're out of scarves. Lewis, grab on somewhere. So not only does God's love cover all of us, but God's promises go on and on and on, and they're super long. And so God's promises were for Abraham and Isaac over here. And Abraham and Sarah, and then Isaac, and God's promises were for our great, 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 great grandparents, and God's promises were for our grandparents, and God's promises were for our parents, and God's promises are for us. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? That God's promises are long. Okay, gather around and we'll say a prayer, and then we'll do some, then we'll sing a song with Mel. Long. God's promises are long. Long, long, long. This would keep you warm in winter if you put this on. Sit. Right, let's sit down and say a prayer, and then we'll let, then we'll sing a song with Mel. You can let go. There we go. <laughs> let's pray. God, thank you for your love that covers us all. Thank you for your love and your promises for generations. Amen. All right, now Mel's going to sing a song, and then we're going to do coins. Okay, everybody, to start with, you're going to lean over here. Okay, now you've got to remember, we're starting with Between Me and You, Jessica. Yeah, Between Me and You. Do you remember what the song that we did last week, for those of you who are here? What did I tell you that you have to learn? To do what? Snap your fingers, right? Okay, did, did anybody practice during the week? Let's try it again. That's pretty good. Okay, one more time. Now, you could do this. You could go, let's try that. Clap. So if you can't go like... Let's try this. Can't do that. You go like that. But and remember, at week this week at home, I want you to remember this one. You try. You say to your parents, "I've got to learn to do that." Okay? Or clap. So this is remembering that we have a promise between me and you. Now, usually when we say between me and you, what do we do? Between me and you, right? But do you remember what I said? Who's talking here? Yeah, you're talking. Mm -hmm. God is talking. So we go like this. Between me and you and generations to come after you, that means a long time, a gift, a promise I give to you as it was a gift. Snap, I choose to be here with you. So let's do it together. I'm going to do the actions and then I'm going to get everybody to sing it with us, okay? So here we go. Between me and you and generations to come after you a gift, as if we're holding a gift, a promise I give to you, I choose to be here with you. We're doing it one more time. Between me and you and generations to come after you, a gift, a promise I give to you, I choose to be here with you. Okay, let's sing it together. I'm going to get everybody out there, if they can hear us, and we're going to go like this, okay? Between me and you. Can you do the actions and every... You know what? I'm going to do without the music. We'll sing it together. And then that doesn't work. Okay, here we go. Between me and you and generations to come after you. A gift, a promise I give unto you. 
I choose to be here with you. Those pre- okay, now you try as much as you can remember. Here we go. Between me and you, on generations to come after you, a gift of promise I give unto you. I choose to be here with you. We're going to get it after all those weeks. We're going to get it. Now Kyle's going to do our coins count, okay? Now you know how this goes, so let's sing it together. You're the echo. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. We can make a difference in the world. If we look around, there are people that we see all around the world needing food and shelter and a chance to live in peace God will make a difference in the world my coins count my coins count sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good my coins count my coins count God will make a difference in the world the gifts that we are given they are given to be shared Doesn't matter if they're big or small or used with care. God will make a difference in the world. Our coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. We make a difference in the world. When we work together, there's a lot we can achieve all around the world. Witnessing to others that we live what we believe God will make a difference in the world Do my coins count? My coins count Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good My coins count My coins count God will make a difference in the world My coins count My coins count Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good My coins count My coins count. God will make a difference in the world. And I forgot to say that this money is going to um, Canada Food Grains Bank slash MCC. So we've got four more weeks. Please join me with the prayer of confession. God of our ancestors and our descendants, promising Abraham and Sarah children at their age just seems mean. For them to believe that promise sounds foolish, almost as foolish as expecting that some faithfulness, that same faithfulness from us. That was then. This is now. We are not used to waiting. If something we want takes too long, we itch to move on to the next thing, even when waiting, waiting is important. Forgive us. Forgive our impatience and refusal to believe in what we cannot see. Build in us the willingness to hope against hope. Help us to value and contribute to a future yet unseen. Instill in us a faith to inspire future generations. I will always keep the promise I have made to you and your descendants because I am your God and their God. I'm going to read some scripture now. Scripture today comes from John 13 verses 1 through 17 from the message. 
Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? Jesus answered, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear enough to you later. Peter persisted, You're not going to wash my feet, ever. Jesus said, If I don't wash you, you can't be part of what I'm doing. Master, said Peter, Not only my feet then, wash my hands, wash my head. Jesus said, If you've had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet washed now, and you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of but not every one of you. After he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on, and went back to his place at the table. Then he said, Do you understand what I have done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. This is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. So many of us here probably know that there is a river in Quebec called the St. Lawrence River. Do any of you know why it is called the St. Lawrence River? No, I didn't either. So before Europeans uh, came to Canada, the Iroquois lived along the river, and they called it Kanawakie, which simply means the big river. But as most Europeans did 500 years ago, they came and gave things their own name. And so the St. Lawrence River got the name because Jacques Cartier was the first European to see the river as he entered the estuary on the day of St. Lawrence's Feast. And that name has stuck. And I found out this week that it is the sixth oldest European name to still be in North America. St. Lawrence's Feast Day. Do any of us know who St. Lawrence is? I did not, so I typed Google. I typed St. Lawrence into Google, and I found this stained glass picture of St. Lawrence. And in his right hand, you will see, he is holding some sort of metal square thing. And upon further Googling, (laughs) I found out that it is a griddle. Like an actual griddle, like the ones we put on campfires for our bacon and eggs in the morning. And then, of course, we get to ask the question, why in the world is St. Lawrence depicted with a griddle? Well, the year was 258. So less than 200 years after the Gospel of John was written, and this is key, It was before Christianity was the official religion of the Roman Empire. And since Christians kept declaring that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, they were viewed as a little suspect. Their patriotism couldn't really be counted on to defend the empire. And so at this time, the Roman um, Emperor Valerian made a rule, a proclamation, that any bishop, priest, or deacon should immediately be put to death and all of their wealth be confiscated for the state treasuries. That's certainly an interesting way to slay a deficit, isn't it? And so relatively quickly after this proclamation, the Bishop of Rome, St. Sixtus II, was captured and executed. And at the time, there was a deacon in the church, and his name was Lawrence. And he was in charge of the treasury. So are we, that's our modern day treasurer, would be a really good comparison. And so the prefect of Rome summoned St. Lawrence and demanded that he turn over the riches of the church to the Roman Empire. What would you do 
if you were the treasurer of this church and were told to give all of its money to the to the government of the day. Sorry, three-way, not paying our bills for that building. Upon request, St. Lawrence asked for three days to gather all the riches of the church. Give me three days and I'll be back. And he was granted those three days. They didn't have debit cards back then. And do you know what he did? He took all of the riches of the church and he gave away every penny to the poor and to the homeless. He just gave it all away. And then on day three, he gathered up those whom he had given the money to. And they all walked to the prefect of Rome together. And the prefect was expecting gold and silver. And when he saw St. Lawrence leading his band of ragtag followers, he asked, where, where are the riches of the church that I demanded? While St. Lawrence replied, here are the riches of the church. These people are the riches of the church. And you will never be as rich as they are. Well, that didn't go too well, as you can imagine. So they made a big bed of hot coals, put a big griddle over these coals, and promptly placed St. Lawrence on them until he died. Legend goes on to suggest that after a while of laying on the griddle, St. Lawrence lifted his head and yelled, I am well done now. Please turn me over. You can laugh. It's okay. And to this day, St. Lawrence is the patron saint of cooks and chefs. Some of you are thinking, is any of this true? (laughs) Google it. (laughs) And the day he died was August 10th. That is the day that Jacques Cartier sailed into the St. Lawrence River. So deep within our Christian tradition, we have the image of a towel and a basin. The story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, the story of Jesus serving, the story of Jesus inviting us to serve. And when you leave today, you will walk past a bin and a towel and a basin. It's in the foyer over there. At the time of Jesus, do you know who did the foot washing? Slaves. And some scholars suggest that it would have been primarily woman slaves. So for Jesus to do what he did, to get on his hands and knees and wash the feet of his disciples, I don't even know what a good 2018 comparison would be. Pope Francis tries to model this. Two years ago, he got down on his hands and knees and not only washed and dried the feet of 12 Muslim migrants in Italy, but he also kissed them. And last year, Pope Francis went to a prison and washed the feet of inmates, some of whom were serving life sentences. I asked some, I put on my Facebook page what some modern day examples would be, and some people suggested CEOs cleaning toilets. Other people suggested the one that's going to haunt me the most is maybe when we go to movie theaters and hotels, we should not just leave our trash all over the place for other people to clean up. Maybe we should put it away ourselves. In my Lent readings this year, Walter Brueggemann has offered this one. Get your mind off yourself long enough to care. Be so concerned about the well-being of the human community that you don't have to worry about your place, your church, your class, your values, or your vested interests. Get your mind off yourself long enough to care. The image of the master getting down on their hands and knees to wash someone's feet is profound. But it's not only profound in how countercultural it is, it is also profound because it foreshadows the self-emptying love of Jesus. In one of the oldest hymns that we have, and it's found in Philippians chapter 2, we read, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Greek word for this is kenosis, which translates as self-emptying love. It's the renunciation of one's own status in the world to love others. It's the renunciation of one's own status to treat others better than oneself. And it is the way of Jesus. A quick aside, but an important one. Foot washing, kenosis, self-emptying love, serving, these are all voluntary acts on our part. They cannot be used as tools of manipulation. Like, I served you and now you need to serve me. (laughs) Kenosis is not about people owing us favors. It is rather about love freely given. So, for example, in today's story, it takes place the night before Jesus is crucified. And we read that Jesus washed all the disciples' feet, all 12 of them, including Judas. And that very night, Judas still betrayed Jesus. And when that was happening, Jesus did not play the card like, Judas, man, like, what are you doing? Don't betray me. I washed your feet like two hours ago. Genuine acts of love come with no strings attached. Otherwise, they quickly turn into acts of manipulation. And while we're talking about Judas, can you believe that Jesus washed the guy's feet? Like, kind of knowing that he was going to betray him? I would not want to wash the feet of Judas. I would want to throw rocks at Judas, actually. And then maybe if the peace part of me kind of takes over, I would at least make a snide Facebook post about Judas. Definitely not wash his feet. So here's a question for us today. Whose feet do we not want to wash? I'll give us a few moments to ponder this. Whose feet are we hesitant to wash? I can think of lots of reasons why I don't want to wash certain people's feet. And every time I do, I am reminded not only of the example of Jesus, but also the commandment of Jesus. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Like, this is part of the deal. This is part of following Jesus. This is part of declaring Jesus to be Lord. We don't get to decide if we should serve or not. We, and we don't get to decide who gets served or not. We serve, period. So here's some good news. If we do these things, if we don't consider ourselves better than others, if we get on our hands and knees and wash the feet of others, if we are able to serve those around us, Jesus says that we are blessed. Now you know that now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not hashtag blessed, like you're gonna get good health and financial security and you're just really happy your kids went to bed normally that night. Not hashtag blessed, like God is going to do something big to knock your socks off. God is not like Santa Claus. Or he's keeping a list of who's naughty and who's nice, and it's going to give us either a present or a lump of coal. Jesus himself died the next day after washing his disciples' feet. Him being a good guy with a good heart who helped people did not spare him from being crucified. St. Lawrence was a good guy with a good heart who helped people out, and he was still burned alive on a griddle. There is no guarantee that we are going to get anything out of serving. Rather, this is the blessing. When we serve, we already are blessed. When we serve, we are close to God and live in God's presence. When we serve, we are already living the abundant life that Jesus promises. When we serve, we are already living the grace-filled, peaceful life that transcends time. That is the blessing. Serving others is the blessing. And here's some even better news. 
We don't have to be famous to serve. We don't have to be a leader to serve. We don't have to be the deacon in charge of the church treasury like St. Lawrence to serve. Um, how many of you watched the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago? You can raise your hands. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, American commercials are obviously better than Canadian commercials. So if you're able... Oh, time out. I know there are some Patriots fans here. And I know there's lots of us who love watching the Patriots lose. But we won't talk about that, will we? <laughs> so if you watched one of the commercials, you would have seen it. It was a card. It's a truck commercial. I'm not going to name the truck brand. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you would have, it was a truck commercial that featured people doing things and some people driving trucks around doing things. And throughout the background of the entire commercial was the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader, giving a speech about serving. And the ad was pretty much considered a flop. Like, don't do that. Like, don't use Dr. King's words to sell cars. And then, of course, because the internet, people started digging a little bit deeper into Martin Luther King Jr.'s entire speech, and it came out that the speech was actually like an anti, anti-consumer speech. It was a speech advising people to not care about upward mobility, to not care about keeping up with the Joneses, but rather to serve. And the speech went so far, and he actually said this, Don't trust the advertisers because they are telling you that in order to make your neighbors envious of you, you must drive this type of car. And so they promptly use this in a car commercial ad. That was a really expensive Super Bowl ad flop. Not as good as the Tide commercials. Those were genius. But the words behind the ad, those those still are great. And I'll end with them here. response to Kyle's sermon, let's sing together number 493 in your hymn books, number 493, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. Thank you. 
I'd invite the ushers to come forward, please. Please pray with me. O Lord, grant that we may not be conformed to the world, but may love it and serve in it. Grant that we may never shrink from being the instruments of your peace because of the judgment of the world. Grant that we may love without fear of the world. Grant that we may never believe that your inexpressible inexpressible majesty may be found in any power of this earth. May we love you and our neighbors as ourselves. May we remember the poor and the prisoner, the sick and the lonely, the young, the young searchers and the tramps and vagabonds, the lost and the lonely, as we remember Christ who is in them all. Be with those in our community who are in the hospital or in care homes who cannot be with us today. Be with Curtis and Debbie as they mourn the death of Curtis's mother. Be with our country and the world as death seems to be ever-present. Be with the people who have lost children in the Parkland, Florida shooting. Be with Winnipeg and the rest of Canada as we fight for reconciliation and justice for missing and murdered Indigenous people. Help us stand together as one to protect future generations. Take our money and use it to help others. Help us be loving and kind in everything we do so that we may be instruments of your peace. Amen. stand with us as we sing the closing song.
for the benediction, I'd ask everyone to turn in towards the middle aisle. So this side can face this way and that side can turn the other way. Um, After the benediction, um, we will take a moment of silence. Um, I will say something and then you guys can repeat it after me. We are people of God. We go in God's love to extend God's love and live God's promise. Go in peace.